Hey everybody, welcome to the Anthony and Todd Show. We are a weekly podcast that critiques and memes music. I'm your host, Trevor, aka Bro, I'm this designer. And I'm joined by my ever attentive co-host, my best friend, my pal, my amigo, my Droog Vincent. Nathaniel, aka Nathaniel Rateliff, and it's I. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 128 of the Anthony and Todd Show, an episode we would like to call Yummy Yum, that yummy yum, yum that yummy yummy. yummy. Uh, today, uh, we're going over some very important, earth-shattering, groundbreaking releases from Tame Impala with the slow rush, the slow gravity rush, <laughs> uh, Justin Bieber with yummy, 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 all the remixes of the yummy, the country remix, the South African remix. <laughs> The disco remix, the trap. Oh, no, it is trap. So I think a disco remix would be good. <laughs> and then finally, Nathaniel Rateliff with and it's still all right. Still, I it's still tight. <laughs> Before we start, if you want to follow the Anthony and Todd show on social media, you can find us at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Anthony and Todd. You can find us YouTube.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd show. You can find us at uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd Show, and you can find us on Podbean, a podcast, Google Play Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher, and Podbean by searching Anthony and Todd Show on your favorite podcast browser. Without any further ado, let's let's speed this up. Let's rush up this the slow rush. We need to make it a fast rush. Gotta I don't, go I don't want, fast. I don't want to talk about this for too long. This is Sonic the Hedgehog with the slow rush. <laughs> The slow rush was how long it took to make his remodel. <laughs> yes. Time to go over the latest Tim Paul album, The Slow Rush. Wow. Uh, Tim Paula is basically one dude, Kevin <laughs> Parker. Um, he is an Australian psych rock band in and of himself. <laughs> and he plays all of his instruments except for when they go on tour, in which case the members of Pond play all of their <laughs> instruments. And Gov. Gum, yeah, I guess gum's there too. But it's mostly pond. <laughs> I don't know. The whole concept of Tame Impala is like really weird to me, but it's very interesting. Um, Tame Impala is probably best known for the past couple albums, Lonerism back in 2012, and then Currents back in 2015, which both of which sound completely different from one another, and also in turn completely different from the album that just got put out, The Slow Rush. Yeah, Lonerism was more. Exciting, bold, uh, creatively boundary pushing. Well, Currents is is my personal favorite. It's more moody, synthetic, uh, mind melting, um, and just uh, full of emotion and tenderness throughout. Very uh, warm on the heartstrings. This new release started off with some singles that I thought were okay. They didn't. I personally didn't really like care for the singles. I, think, I thought some of them were okay, but really a lot of them didn't really hit super hard for me. There's the one that sounded like Redbone. I don't remember which one that was. <laughs> uh, I think that may be the first one. That it might have been here. Posthumous Forgiveness. <laughs> but uh, going throughout the singles, they seem way less ambitious or strange. Just more straightforward indie rock with a psych twist, more synthetic elements that really didn't seem all that distinctive, mm -hmm. unlike the elements of Currents, where very boundary-pushing, very bold, and uh, very polished, stylistically grandiose. Um, this album, 
at first I thought I listened to it and the initial reaction was, yeah, I think this is okay. I thought it was catchy. I thought it was fun. I don't think it's better than the last two, but as time goes on, thinking back on their past releases, Lunarism and Currents. And Lunarism, I, I respect as an album. I really enjoy it, but I don't remember much of it. And like even going back and listening to that, like comparing it to this, it's, it's two separate worlds. Like Lunarism is just completely on a different level than it's this. It's from Australia. It's on the other side of the world. <laughs> of course you don't understand it. But like Lunarism is really, again, boundary pushing what it is. Very large sound keeps your intention. And this really, this album really doesn't need that doesn't do that at all it really doesn't have anything super flashy or interesting or experimental to it doesn't really seem like it's preventing uh, showcasing that many new ideas we get glimpses of some new stuff like some brilliantly vocoded vocal loops on one more year which are really fun and frantic and they give you in this hypnotic headspace and it's it, it relates to the track being about the guy trying to get himself through everyday life by just saying it's only 365 days next year let's do it let's just move forward it's not that long we can push forward so i think it, that tracks the seed or what it was but like tracks like borderline while average are still catchy they have these like really hypnotic simple hooks and these mind-melting synth loops the vocals on the bridge are super infectious with uh will i be known will i be loved it just that 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 pronunciation that um how he talks on the beat i think is really frantic and gets really catched in your mind i don't think the track's all that boundary pushing or really anything to its own because i think it really resembles the current state of indie rock in a lot of places mm-hmm. um but like a lot of this album is like tracks like post post hominous forgiveness, which uh, is basically oh, which is basically a bunch of like cool sense ideas that don't lead anywhere. They just they just play out and they seem like they're a chill vibe, but like other than that, there's no purpose to them. They yeah. don't lead to any cool soundscapes, any cool lyrical moments, any cool draws of emotion. Just they come off as very flat they're huge but they don't mean anything um same thing with tracks like on track one more hour glimmer is it true they all come off as like mixed explorations or demos that at the end of the day they just lead on they don't go anywhere i think there's a real disconnect between like kevin parker and the fans here and i used to think like i guess i was more on par with like what Kevin Parker wanted to accomplish with Tame Impala versus like what he wants to accomplish with a group like Pond or um, any other like different collaborations that he does. And I've been hanging out a lot with one of my coworkers absolutely loves Tame Impala. Like we talk about this all the time, his favorite group of all time. And he was so hyped for this, for this album to come out and would send me all sorts of like interviews with Kevin Parker. And he would talk about things like, um, how when Currents was first released, he was like, this is completely unlistenable. Kevin Parker, like, did not want to release Currents because he thought it was absolute garbage. And then it came out, and everybody just went nuts for it. Like, the, I think that the album was, like, very poppy and very groovy. And at the time when it was released, I think everybody was eating it up. And now he's coming out saying, like, yeah, that album sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like what? And then Pawn's last release that he did production on. Yeah, I didn't really care for that. That sucked. It was it was very bland and boring. Exactly, man. but like that's the kind of music that like he 
wanted to put out. And it took him forever to make this album. And he's five got, years. Exactly. And he's got these these singles on it that I think didn't really like resonate really well with me or as you said, yourself. So I was really like leaning on some of these deeper cuts to um, make me more excited about the album. And I think like in some ways they did. I really like tracks like Breathe Deeper. I think it was I think it's really groovy and fun. Um, is it true? You said it's kind of like a demo, but I guess fans are calling this the less I know the better track. You know what I mean? Like this is probably the most poppy track on here. Yeah. And I think it's really fun and really groovy like that. Is it true? Is it true? I just love the, the groove that you get in. Tomorrow's Dust, everybody keeps saying is like the worst track on here. And yeah, I would agree that it goes on for a long time. There's some nice like swirling guitars and pumpy drums, but there's a disconnect between Kevin's voice and the progression. Exactly. The I really the like the I really like the like dusty guitar work on here as well as these like rolling synths and these ripping guitars in the background, but I don't think it was mixed very well. Yeah. And the teaser track for this, like that that was like the teaser for the album when it first came out. It was like on his Instagram story or something. And it sounded so cool. He only released maybe like 20 seconds of the track. And it was like that, those flowing synths <laughs> all over the place. And it just doesn't translate well. Once those vocals were added, I feel like it lost some of his magic. Yeah. It's still one of my favorite tracks on here because I, I like all the, the stuff going on in the background. But like, it leads me to my biggest criticism. I wish... Kevin would would lay off the vocals a little bit and just kind of let these tracks breathe. To me, these tracks feel really smothered in his vocals. And that's what made moments like Let It Happen, the extended mix, like the unsingle version on yeah. Current, so popular. It's just that huge escalation at the end that build it up so much. Right. Or on moments like uh, New Person, Same Old Mistakes, where it's the Sims building up in this beautiful Yes, movie. yes. He gives those tracks time to breathe. But like on here, there's a really there's really not much downtime between yeah. between Kevin talking. I think like the very beginning of the whole album on one more year with these like vocal loops that are really like glitchy. One more. <laughs> I love that. But he he actually lets the track like grow and build into something before he comes in on the vocals. And I think that that really gives it some sort of magic. But for the rest of this, I feel like. Kevin is singing in my ear the entire time. Like, get out of here. Yeah, and also the... I'm breathing down my neck. The use of, like, like lo-fi effects or these, like, fa these faded or hazy mixes, like, on tracks like Instant De Destiny are cool, but, like, I think he overuses them to where they don't have a point on this. Like, right. They're stylistically interesting, but they don't have serve any purpose to besides, like, giving a nostalgic sense to the mix, but, like, I don't know. There was moments like that on Currents, but I don't feel like they fit as well here because they just randomly put in these spots without any buildup with tracks before or after right i i mean i gotta give it to him like i think that this album means a little more to me because i have like personal memories linked to it and like different conversations like linked to the songs but if i'm rating it like just musically it's definitely like a little lower than it's that. it's yeah I, I i don't care for this overall like i think i don't really besides one more year i don't think i will return to anything maybe uh lost in yesterday a bit or maybe borderline but i don't think i have any reason to return i find this very mediocre i find it very safe um it reminds me a lot of uh artists who put out two fantastic records and then 
uh, played it safe with an album, and that is Gorillaz. They put out Demon Days, Plastic Beach, then they put out Humans, which was a mess. The Fall. Um, but then they did the Now Now as a very safe release, but even as a safe release, I think that had way more interesting moments, even though it was just a toned-down Damon Albarn. And I think this, its safe moments are just super extended and boring and don't really lead anywhere interesting. Or have any sense of the atmosphere to him. Another thing that he mentioned, Kevin Parker mentioned, is that he took a ton of time on the drums on this. Did you notice? Like, I didn't he, notice any drums. I didn't either. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I made, I made sure I really took time with the drums. I wanted them to be well, just fantastic. But like the only, I didn't even realize that they were doing anything like super good. The only notes I have on drums is there's constant kicks on One More Year, which are okay, but they're, that's like basic. That is just... No, these are just basic <laughs> beat keeping. I don't think that he's doing anything like incredible and then like i wrote the same down for tomorrow's dust is with the pumpy kicks that's mm-hmm. it that's a little the notes i wrote about drums being really interesting or interesting at all is more about the things how they interacted with the things around them than themselves mm-hmm. so, so i think that's funny uh i don't have anything else to say so keep in mind those scores are futile meaningless right now i think this is a big boy five okay i'm gonna give it i think i guess I guess I'm going to have to go like with a six. Okay, that's good. And uh, yeah, I, I hope we hear better music in the future because this is very reminiscent. It's a better pond. That's what this is. It's just a more polished pond. Yeah. And I, I don't, I didn't subscribe to Tame Impala to hear pond no, that, A-sides. That's, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily want that. Like, I, I definitely like more of it than I think that you did. Yeah. And if I had to rate it like based on... Personal connection, I'd probably give it a seven, but like specifically musically, I'd I'd have to get like a six. Yeah. Moving on for something uh, I didn't subscribe to, to another thing I didn't subscribe to. I didn't subscribe to that. Yummy, 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 (laughs) yummy, yummy. Time to go over the latest Justin Bieber album. I'm going through changes. (laughs) The changes is his voice changing. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Justin Bieber, London, Ontario pop artist. Uh, do, do you need an introduction on Justin Bieber? He's iconically well known for what he is. He started off with Baby being this like kind of meme child artist. <laughs> Which I don't know. I think all child artists are meme Not that he was like meme It was more of just because he was a child. He was, he was a me- teen pop sensation. <laughs> that makes him a meme. Uh, like, uh, what is it? The, the, the Yeehawk? No, the the kid that's sung in Walmart, <laughs> Mason <laughs> Ramsey. <laughs> Same story. <laughs> Mason Ramsey in like 15 years is going to be doing coke and speeding around his local Walmart. Uh, he was circle eight. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't like Mimi, or he wasn't. I I, I like Mason Ramsey. I think that Justin Bieber is like just cringy because <laughs> of the music that he was releasing. Tracks like Baby, and then he kind of matured as an artist around the same time he uh, started. Uh, being a dickhead, uh, I remember. I remember, person. like he got like kicked out of his neighborhood or something to the extent of that. Like his neighbors hated him because yeah. he would like be really loud and annoying and speed down the street. Uh, but he released uh, that track with Jackie, which is Diplo and Skrillex. Uh, where are you now? And that really signified what a more. Do you mat- mean? Oh, is that what it was? I think that both what he do did. You mean? No, it's where are you now with what I need you. The where are do. you now that yeah, yeah okay. okay. So both of those songs, but like it signified a growth. Honey. 
Yeah, it signified a growth in his career moving past like child artist, teen pop sensation to more an, an adult sensation. Yeah, I've I've talked about this multiple times and I'll tell anybody on the street and defend this opinion. I think Justin Bieber seriously saved his career by teaming up with like Skrillex and Diplo, like one of the best career moves that anybody could have made. <laughs> Around Honestly. the time when he needed the most. Exactly. Yeah. He needed them the most. Yeah. Um, and he put out Purpose in 2015, which is an album I haven't listened to. So I I, I thought the singles off of it were super catchy. I haven't listened to the album. So the, I, I'm, the singles off of it were the ones that we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, I haven't listened I, to I, I like those tracks a lot. But, um, uh, so I was really interested to go into this Justin Bieber album because the single, Yummy, is one of the worst things I've heard in a long while. I think this is a contender for worse. It's not that bad. It's the hook it's is me. you got that yummy, 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 yummy. That's the only memorable part of the song. It has a basic trap beat. He acts like he's trying to be like suave or like interesting vocally, like Post Malone. That's the funniest part about it. <laughs> that song's memey. That's why we like it. <laughs> But it's not good. It's no, it's not good. Bad. It's funny. <laughs> it's just, it's a disaster. It's funny. It's ironically funny, but it's not good. It like all the good qualities about it are ironic. And uh, yeah, I was just really interested in seeing how far he would fall on this because I don't know any publicity I heard about this, which is really super boring and lame. <laughs> so I was expecting like Ed Sheeran numbers was number six collaboration level stuff on here yeah which is some thrown together features just some thrown together ideas no real purpose and we kind of got that one thing i'll give this thing credit is he collaborates with his features and the chemistry feels right but the performances are not good it's like it's not like these weird branches that are thrown together so, like, there's common ground in between them. Like, Quavo does a good pop performance. And he has chemistry. Like, the, the step between going from Justin Bieber to Quavo isn't that much. But also, at the same time, Justin Bieber is really terrible on that track. No, I think Justin Bieber could just about collaborate with anybody. Yeah. And I don't think it would feel, like, weird. Yeah. Just based on his status. But also, like, his performances on this are super basic and yeah. flat throughout the entire thing. Oh, yeah. He I, don't does think the same. I don't think he always puts on good features, but I definitely think, like... He can feature on pretty much anything, and I wouldn't think it was weird. This thing feels empty a lot of the time. It uses either the same like style of uh, piano melodies, or sometimes it'll have like a chorus synth patch, or maybe sometimes a guitar over basic trap drums. And that's the production across this entire thing. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's the same musical palette throughout in the most interesting, unpolished, and bland way uh, Justin Bieber gives a performance which I think describes his whole entire lookout. If you look across his album, I was looking at this on Spotify yesterday. If you look across his discography through all of his albums, all of them besides Purpose have him like staring off in a direction looking yeah. moody. And that's what I think he's doing on this, like vocally. Is he's just trying to vocally stare off moodily. <laughs> and it just seems like he tries to emphasize the end of things and just like add like a, a more like welcoming consonant to it but it really doesn't do anything no i don't think this album was very he calls it changes but i don't think it really signifies a change in anything yeah <laughs> honestly like the, all the music is it's a the regression same. more than a change exactly 
Um, so what are the tracks? Some of the tracks I mentioned yummy with its uh, bland production. It's shitty hook. And, uh, that's the layout for a lot of these tracks. Uh, they're mostly focused on getting just a very stupid hook and building a song around that like ETA, which the hook is. I just want to know your ETA ETA out the window. You got me looking out the street. What's your ETA? Other tracks like I'm available. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm available. So basically, it just gets these compounded, stupid, easily catchy, but also super simplistic and idiotic hooks and builds a song around them. Yeah. And sometimes he'll add like these really weird, corny, cheesy, cringy inflections to him, like talking about waiting for her to show up around her ETA. But it's like also at the same time, it feels pretty stalkerish <laughs> and he's like forced and it feels creepy. Uh, just like he tries to be relatable on like yummy and stuff like that. And it just comes off as like impersonable. Uh, some of the features on this Post Malone is fine, but then Clever's on afterwards and it sounds like he's just trying to be Post Malone. They sound exactly the same, like the same harsh inflections at the end. Um, or the harsh, like the harsh, uh, t- not twang on his voice, but how he, his vo- voice almost has like a, a, a weird reins or a raspiness to it, where his inflection's yeah. a bit weird. And I think Clever tries to re- replicate that. Little Dicky on running over. <laughs> he, he starts off, and I'm like, okay, this is not too, this is not too terrible. He says, I got up all on your IG and was scrolling down for hours. I got back to 2015 and you started looking young, so I stopped. I'm like, okay, that's kind of funny. It's not the funniest thing of the world. And he says, post intercourse when you walk by, ass, 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 more buns than a shop, right? And then literally everything else that he says after that is just as cringy. It just gets worse. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you expect. It fits. I, the duo fits together. I don't. I don't. I don't know how to explain it. Like cringy is cringy, and when you combine two cringies, it makes sense. But also, uh, his FX show uh, looks like he doesn't understand what rap is. <laughs> I don't think he ever did. <laughs> like from from a guy who's been in a professional studio setting, he has no idea probably how hip hop operates. <laughs> it, it looks like an outsider's view into how hip hop works. I don't know, that could be kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> but not like not like an outsider's view, like someone who's been through hip-hop and is like an outsider in the industry. Like someone who's made it in the industry but still doesn't know how the industry works. He's <laughs> completely clueless to the world around. I'm sure he is, honestly. Um, Based on what he's putting out. Keelani's fine. Travis Scott's fine. Travis Scott's a bit harsh. Like, he tries. It feels like he's like a little bit more like harsher. He's trying to like... He's like clenching his chest a little bit more. He seems like he's trying. It's not generic AI Travis Scott like we got a lot of lot features last year. It's not good, but it seems like he's trying to mix it up. And I think the album title changes is about him. Him trying something new, changing it up a little bit. Because that's literally the only difference I see is Travis Scott tries something a little bit different and it doesn't fail. It's a weird type of flow that is kind of offbeat, kind of strange. It doesn't really work for him. But it's better than him just being hazed out of his mind. And that's all I really got to say. I think this thing's just super long at 51 minutes without any reason to be 51 minutes. There's a Yummy Summer Walker remix, which I didn't listen to uh, because I, I don't have an opinion on Summer Walker. 
and I know she's praised by a couple people, and I don't want my first opinion of her to be attached to the Yummy remix. <laughs> so I, I skipped that track, but everything else on here is completely cringy and boring, empty, flat. Yummy. Yummy. Not yummy. <laughs> Anti-yummy. Uh, yucky. Uh, yucky. <laughs> this album is yucky, 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 yucky. Uh, keep in mind those scores. If you tell me this right now, I'm filling up a one. I'm going to give it a yucky. Yeah, okay, that's a good score. Uh, but I don't know. There's potential here. That we've seen it before. There, it, he doesn't showcase potential on here, but he's showcased potential in the fa- past. So maybe one day. Maybe someday he'll get Skrillex and Diplo back again. <laughs> <laughs> and it, at the end, it's still all right. No, time to go over the latest. No, <laughs> and time to go over the latest Nathaniel Ratcliffe, not Ratcliffe, Nathaniel Ratliff album. And it's still all right. Nathaniel Ratliff is a Denver-based singer-songwriter known mostly as the frontman to Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats, which mixes together uh, elements of blues rock, folk, Americana, and gospel. And they put out a self-titled album in 2015, which Trevor loved to death. Yeah, I did. Uh, every track on there, besides like one, I think is top-notch. Absolutely great. It was one of my favorite releases of 2015, back before we were even reviewing music at all. And... Uh, I don't know. They never really got like big like I thought they would. They were on some of these um, rising artists kind of things and and featured on different radio stations. But like they just never uh, I feel like never really grew to their fullest potential like I think they should have. And then in 2018, they released Tearing at the Seams as a group uh, headed up by the lead single You Worry Me, which I think was like kind of. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that single, but it's like the one shining moment about the entire thing that I can remember. Because going back and even reflecting on it a little bit and skimming through some of the tracks, it's not that memorable. No, it's really not. There's like that and Hey Mama, I think, are the best tracks on there, which I, I really enjoyed. But it was also kind of disappointing. I felt like they brought out all their best material to really show off as a, as a group and, and, and come up into the industry. And then after that, like when it didn't actually happen, they just kind of faded out with with this um but Nathaniel Ratliff has been releasing his own solo music for for longer than he was with the Night Sweats and um now he's returning with a with a new solo release uh, without the Night Sweats and I don't know this album is in kind of a weird place for him because it takes place I wish he'd go back to the Night Sweats yeah in a sense but this play, this album was written in a weird sense for him because it was written after he got divorced and written after he uh, he lost his longtime friend and collaborator Richard Swift, and uh, there's a, there's a sense of mourning on both fronts for him. But the thing for this is, there's some good songs on here. Like the first two songs are yeah. really good, but uh, it's it's it m- drones on. There's not a lot of purpose. His vocal inflections sometimes are not good. Like, the later you get into this album, I think he gets a little bit moanier and yelpier, which it's not consistently bad, but, like, he's he's had better inflections. I just don't care for it. I think he, he he's not pulling his weight in that front. Uh, the production is pretty bland, basic folk production. Uh, it starts off, you get some really nice acoustic, spacey, warm guitars, some nice claps and snaps, and then on And It's Still Alright, you get these very large, emotional, and overwhelming uh, with 
this very nice simplicity presented uh, in these nice twangy background atmosphere uh, guitars, which really work in the atmosphere. But over that, it gets like it gets more like folkier in the sense of like these background strings come up and they just yeah they feel it's kind of like a Americana type string performance and it just doesn't really fit him and it just it just feels kind of awkward and his performances on this on awkward and the subjects he's talking about seems awkward and he's not really like giving it the right amount of motion from the what he's talking about on all of this and then only tracks like rush on where he's 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 mourning richard it it goes on forever all these songs feel like they go on forever especially uh i would say the first half of this is uh, actually, they're all pretty much the same length. Yeah. But the first half, I just felt like dragged on and on. I listened to what felt like, I don't know, an hour of this, and I was still on like the fifth track. Yeah. It's like, man, what is taking so long? These songs just like, they don't progress, and like folk rock doesn't always progress, or not even folk rock, like just straight folk music. Yeah. It doesn't always progress super well. Like, but the character. And it's not always super exciting, but the storytelling is like what's important, and I think that. While this is probably very cathartic for Nathaniel Rateliff, and while I think that it's probably an album that he needed to make in order to move past his emotions and to understand like where he is, and he seems like he's in such a better headspace now after creating this. Um, but I don't these songs like the stories aren't super interesting. Yeah, the like things that he's saying aren't super interesting, and I think that they could be. They could be really. Um, not fun, but they could be um, Cause there's exciting. Some, there's there's some moments where he gets a little bit more exciting and energetic, like expecting to lose. Mm-hmm. But outside the hook, he's yelpy, and yeah. he's uh, also when he's doing the like the weird like yodels, he sounds like the the ram from Hoodwinked. <laughs> a very specific <laughs> reference. That's what it reminded me of. But, like, for a lot of this, it goes on too long. The production's not interesting. The storytelling isn't interesting. It, there's a lack of emotion. It, it it doesn't interest me. And that's really where I draw the line on this, is I just don't think there's a lot yeah. energetic or interesting to this. Um, not that I need to be energetic, but, like, even, like, some of their most slower songs in the past, You Worry Me, it was moody, but it built up to something and it had that yeah. atmosphere. This doesn't have that. And even when the first two tracks, those are nice. They still fall to the being too long category. Um, keep, I don't have anything else to say, but keep in mind those scores. If you tell me this right now, I'm feeling a three or four. I, I would say like a four. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say on that. And uh, if you want to move past that and f- uh, see us, Outside of the podcast form, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Anthony and Todd. You can find us at YouTube.com forward slash Anthony and Todd. You can find us at Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and Spotify uh, by going to the Anthony and Todd Show on your favorite podcast browser. And you can find us at Patreon.com forward slash Anthony and Todd Show if you want to support us monetarily. And that is it. Until next time, guys, I am Vincent. I'm Trevor. And see you, boyos. Bye, everybody. 